World War II. It's known as the greatest generation. And these are their stories. It's the World War II Project. Here are your hosts, Americhicks, Molly Vogt, and Kim Munson. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks World War II Project. I'm Kim Munson. I'm Molly Vogt. And we are thrilled today. We are talking with Larry Grove. It is going to be quite a story. He's a World War II veteran. He was involved in the bombing of the bridge over the River Kwai. Let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up here in Cumberland, Maryland, where I live now. I've lived here all my life. Okay. And uh, tell us about, do you remember, Larry, where you were when you heard that Pearl Harbor had been bombed? Uh, I was standing in the living room of our house, and it came over the radio on Sunday afternoon. And I, I never forget it. I can remember that just this minute. Mm. Were you surprised? What was that? Were you surprised when you heard that the Japanese had well, bombed? Well, yes, we were. Us. Very much so. <laughs> we weren't expecting anything like that. <laughs> and how old were you? Do you remember? Uh, well, let's see. I would have been about 15. 15 years old. Okay. Yeah, because I enlisted in the service in 17. In 43, let's see, it was 40, yeah, I've been about 14 or 15. Uh. Okay, so you, and you got into the service when you were 17 years old. So did your parents yeah. have to sign right. for you? Yeah, I enjoyed the uh, Air Force uh, as a cadet. And during the processing, they closed up cadets and sent us to uh, gunnery school. Okay. Uh, I ended up as a tail gunner on a B-24. Tail gunner on a B-24. Larry, before we get into that, I wanted to ask about your parents, because if they, they needed to sign for you at the age of 17. Did you have to talk them into it? Were they were they okay with you joining the military and going to war? Yeah, No. At that time, we were going to go. If you were fit to go, you went. There was no... Arguing or fighting about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a thing you had to do. Mm. And Larry, did you whether, have any? Whether, whether you really wanted to or not, you had to go if you were fit to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Larry, were any? Did you have any siblings that went to the war? What was that? Did you have any brothers or sisters that also? No, no, no. I was the only one in my family who was in the service. Okay, all right. Well, well, I had an uncle who was in, and. Uh, Sure, a lot of friends, but uh, nobody in our family. And so was it you and a group of friends that decided you wanted to go to the Air Force as a cadet to begin with? Uh, I wanted to go to the Air Force because I wanted to fly. I didn't want to walk. (laughs) (laughs) So how how did that work out then? You decided you're going to get into the Army Air Corps. How how did that happen then, Larry? How did you get in there? Well, I joined it in the... Went to Baltimore and joined. A, went to a uh, recruiting office and joined. Okay, you're just a kid. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Seventeen years old, Molly. So you go to basic training. Where was basic training? What was that again? I didn't get that one. Uh, no problem, Larry. Yeah. Where was basic yeah, I was training? Seventeen. Yeah, I was seventeen when I joined, but I didn't actually go until I was eighteen. Okay. I was. Uh, I finished up high school at uh, J. 
January the 28th and February the 12th, I was in Fort Meade processing. And what year was that? Do you remember? 44. 44. January 1944. And then, and Larry, so, and then where did you get your training as a tail gunner? Was that at Fort Meade? We went to Harlingen, Texas for gunnery school. Okay. Now, growing up, uh, let's see, you said you're from Cumberland? Well, we went to just Fort Meade, it was just for processing. Okay. But, and where did you grow up again, Larry? Where, where did you grow up? Yeah, yeah, I grew up here in Cumberland, right. I, that's the only place I've ever lived. Okay. In what state is that? Cumberland? Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Maryland. So were you familiar with guns? Did you grow up uh, shooting? Oh, yes. I hunted from the time I was a kid until this past year. This is the first year I've never hunted. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I had to give it up this year. I just couldn't take it no more. <laughs> it is a lot of work, you know. Yeah. So you were familiar then with, with firearms, and you end up in gunnery school, is that right? Mm-hmm. In Texas. In Texas, okay. Yes, can, can you... right. Uh, we handled all kinds of guns there, including machine guns, shotguns, uh, and, uh, most every any kind of gun you could think of, hand pit pistols. We did pistol practice and all kinds. But all that's but, really different from aerial gunnery, right? Yes, we well we did aerial gunnery. We took we flew air, in airplanes and uh, shot at uh, targets. That an airplane was towing. An airplane would tow the target, and we would shoot at it. Now, now, Larry, we we were really thinking about it. I'm not sure I'd like to be the pilot of the plane that's pulling. <laughs> well, I think some of them was pretty jittery, too. I'm sure they were. Yeah. Also, I'm wondering, it must have been like little 22s or something that you were shooting, right? So it wouldn't really hurt the plane. It would just put a little yeah. hole in it. Uh, Larry, what did a typical day of basic training look like? Well, it's... Uh, I enjoy the training myself. I do business with being with guns. I enjoy guns. Still do. Okay. Quite a gun nut. Mm-hmm. But uh, they shipped us from there. We went, went home had a uh, two-week furlough. Okay. And then we went to California and processed there. And they sent us to overseas training in Tunapal, Nevada. Okay. Overseas training. So, So what was that like? What would overseas training entail? Yes, that's where, that's where we had our overseas training, and then we get uh, formed our crew. Okay. And then they sent us to, after, I don't know, about six, eight weeks of our training, flying gunning missions and uh, cross-country flying and stuff like that. Okay. And then we went to um, College, Hamilton, California, okay. picked up a new airplane, and went to India. To wow. India. Huh. Yeah. And what, a new airplane, so what was that, a B-17, or what was that? It was B-24. We flew B-24s all the time. B-24s, okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened when you got to India? <laughs> well, the first thing that happened was when we stopped and parked up airplane, Four guys come up and started talking to us, and they told us about losing four airplanes that week. Oh. And I tell you, I got scared. Yeah. I mean, it, it really threw me. 
then I got to thinking, now, these boys are doing it, you can do it too. And I didn't worry too much about it after that. Mm. But after a little bit, I was scared. Now, I don't, don't deny that one bit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you had every right to, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We flew missions over Burma and Thailand. I had 19 missions there, and then I had two missions over the Himalaya Mountains to China. What did they call that, going over the Himalaya? I can't remember now. uh, We hauled supplies to China and uh, also uh, gasoline. Okay. So, Larry, 19 missions, you said, and it was over Burma and... Yeah, we would fly in the missions over Burma. We would bomb supply dumps, uh, airfields, bridges, railroad sidings, and uh, boats. Anytime we'd get into boats, find boats or anything like that, we would work on them. So uh, we've. Well, tell us about. I mean, here you're a kid. You are a kid from Cumberland, Maryland. You are in yes. India, and you're going to fly a bombing mission. Do you remember that first mission? I mean, what was it? How did it go? What was it like? Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'd be scared. Wow. But like I said, after I settled down, I said, those boys are doing it. You can do it, too. And so I stayed with it. Uh, we were lucky. We'd had no more real problems. A few times we thought we was going to have to leave the airplane, but uh, we did make it. And uh, we had a good crew. Got along fine together. And we, but we, at, at IRB-24, we flew 16 and a half hours. We would take off before daylight and wouldn't get back until after dark. Jeez. How, That's how a did long you have day. Yeah, did you have enough fuel I didn't the real I didn't realize you had enough fuel to do 16 and a half hours Yeah it was a long day right Yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah we had several quite a few of our missions was that long uh-huh. at, at that time we had flown the longest missions of any in the country but then the B29s come over and they they started flying longer missions then Wow uh, Yeah mm-hmm. It, uh, so do you remember your first mission, Larry? What did you do on your first mission? What was that first mission? Yeah, what was your Burma. first mission? Yeah. Yeah, it was over Burma on, on a bombing uh, a supply dump. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, describe what you saw and what was the, I mean, the first day you get, you get on your B-24, this is it. This isn't training anymore. You, you know, you have no idea what's coming at you. Can you kind no, of walk us through that day? Yep. Uh, we had flak. We had small arms fire. We fl- we dropped bombs from 300 feet. We went in at 300 feet. That's only a football field. Wow. So and, small arms fire means that they were shooting, like, pistols and stuff at you? Uh, yeah. Wow. Like we could see, I could see the fire coming from the small arms fire. Right, that's how close we were. Oh. I could see the red flashes. Larry, why were y'all flying so low to be three hundred feet? What was that? Well, they were shooting rifles and machine yeah. guns and everything else at us. Yeah. But why? Why were you yeah. coming in so low? I mean, uh, that's that's well, we low. were going in low to try and get the target. I mean, we was trying a new process of bombing low. 
and then we we would get in and drop the ball. We'd have to use delayed action bombs to do this because <laughs> if it didn't, the ball would go off underneath of you. Well, that's smart. How long could you delay the action on the bombs? They were seven seconds. Oh my gosh, that's not very. Oh my gosh. That doesn't seem very yeah, delayed to me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And Larry, uh, you're the tail gunner, so you're watching this happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we also, I don't know whether this is any interest to you, but we also used an Azon bomb. This will you probably say the first radio control bomb. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard of it, so tell us about it. Well, it's uh, they uh, originally tried it in Germany, but it didn't work over there. I think the reason for it was they were bombing from 20,000 feet. You sure can't see a smoke trail or a bomb that far away. I mean, that's five miles. Uh (laughs) And uh, so, but we dropped them from six and seven thousand feet. And the system came over and went to the ninth squadron. Well, they wouldn't use it. They pulled off all their airplanes and wouldn't use it. So they transferred it over to our outfit, which is the 493rd. We used the bombs. We tried them out and took, tested them and everything. And the first couple didn't work too good. But after that, they were doing real good with them. And we could take out the railroad bridges, trussles and stuff. Pretty regular with them. Hmm. It had a smoke stream, and you can steer it left and right. Okay. And, and uh, the bombardier did this, and uh, it worked out real good. That is fascinating. So this was radio controlled, and was yes, it? A- it was radio controlled. Uh, Azon bomb. In fact, just our. Uh, Pilot's son, I keep in contact with him. He found somebody that found one of those in his attic, the <laughs> control, and he bought it. He's got it now. And it's a little radio thing, just about the size of a radio, and has the controls on there for controlling that bomb. That is a, that I've is. I've got to look uh, this up yeah, and get a uh-huh. picture of this because I've never heard of that. That is, yeah. that is good. Huh. Yeah. Like the drones of today, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Larry Grove, when you were in the Pacific, you're on the B-24, and you're a it, tail gunner. Is it, yeah, right. We were in India. Tell, uh, you know, we were um, we were told that we should watch the bridge over the River Kwai so that we yeah. could kind of get an idea mm. of, of what you were doing and what you were bombing. Yeah. Um, right. did, did you uh, bomb that, the Burma Railway? What was that again? Did you bomb the... Yeah, it's what we bombing the railroads and the uh, airfields and stuff like that. They were pushing the German the uh, Japs out of Burma at that time, and we were trying to destroy the railroads and stuff so that they couldn't get any supplies or anything to keep going. Okay, hey, hey, so you know what, Larry Grove, let's stop for just a moment here, and we want to give uh, really a, an appreciation. Uh, acknowledgement to uh, Joe Conway, who connected us. He has a real heart 
for these World mm-hmm. War II stories, and, and so we're ever so grateful for that. We're going to go to break uh, and then we'll come back, and we want to hear about this this uh, this whole thing about the bridge over the River Kwai. Before we do that, though, we, we do want to acknowledge one of our great sponsors, and that is Hooters Restaurants right here in Colorado. Uh, you know, it's football playoff season. It's here, and Hooters is the place for all of the great games. They have great football specials. And, um, you know, you can actually, if you want to have folks over, you can use Grubhub, have uh, them deliver anything from Hooters. Molly and I particularly like these great smoked wings. They're half the calories. They smoke them overnight. They have all these different flavors, and they are delicious. Or if you don't want to dirty up your house, you can go over to Hooters. They've got all the games on. They've got great food. You can get there together with friends. So it is the season to watch the playoffs. HootersColorado.com is your place to do that. So be sure and check out Hooters. Colorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. And this is the AmeriChicks. We are talking with Larry Grove, World War II veteran, bridge over the River Kwai. We want to hear the story, so we will be right back. We'll have more of the World War II project in just a moment. Hey, welcome back to the uh, AmeriChicks World War II story. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. All of these shows are archived there. We are honored to be talking with Larry Grove. He uh, He's actually in Cumberland, Maryland. We've got him on the line. Uh, thank you to Joe Conway for connecting us. Uh, the Bridge Over the River Kwai, I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. And last night, I, I... That was nothing like the movie. You know, uh, yeah, the movie, uh, from what we understand, did, took a lot of liberty with the truth. That seems to happen a lot these yeah, days. Yeah, they copied the book. Yeah, because Joe texted me, he said, the movie isn't quite the real story. So let's talk no. about the real story, Larry. You were there. Well, they tried two times to get that bridge and couldn't get it. They... Uh, First group went in, and uh, it was covered with fog and clouds, and they couldn't find it. The second time they tried, they had so much flack that they boarded the mission. The third time we went in, and went in at 300 feet, there was three planes. The first one took out the first van, and turned left and went up through the valley. We were the second plane. We took out the next span and started up through the valley, and then the flak started. And they had flak on all sides of us. Uh, I thought sure we were going to get it before we got out of there. I had four flak pieces of flak right off the edge of the rudder, Ugh. and that kind of stirred me up a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> but uh, well, we were so low that uh, I could see the we were over the compound, and I could see the guys down there shooting at us with rifles and machine guns. I could see the red flashes from the guns. Wow. And uh, so I turned my guns around, and I opened up on them a little bit. And there was there was one thing about it. There was a train, an engine, sitting on a side track. I wanted to get that engine so bad. And I tried, but we were in a bank, and I couldn't get my guns down low enough to get to it. <laughs> so uh, I just swung around, and I started to open up on the compound then, and I to them pretty good. Okay, well, let's talk but, a little uh, bit about this bridge. Now, from the movie, they say that this bridge was built with POW labor, which was basically the Brits and Americans. Was that true? Were you aware of that? Was that true? 
What was this? Was was it true that that bridge was built with uh, POW labor? Oh, yes, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, in fact, we dropped three bombs, and one of them skipped and went up towards the POW camp. Well, for years, I worried whether we had hurt anybody in that with that bomb when it went off. Mm. Well, finally, I found a guy that had been over there and was in there. He said that he wasn't in the compound at the time. They were in the actual Canchana Barrett town. And they said they heard the airplanes coming, but they never saw them. And they said, just get that damn bridge, get that bridge. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and I asked him if he had heard of whether anybody had been hurt from those bombs, and he said no. He'd never heard anything about it that. Were they, uh, were they aware that you guys were going to be coming in that day? Did they know that? The, the prisoners, did they know you guys were coming that day? Oh, no. Uh-uh. We, hit, uh, we really hit them by surprise. Uh, Larry, did you know? Uh, no, do you know no, what date? No it, idea. What uh, what date was that? Yeah, I, I was reading about the yeah, bridge the over the river. Was, the date that was? Yes, that sir. Was February the thirteenth, nineteen forty-five. Two thirteen, nineteen forty-five. Okay, okay, Larry, this is fascinating to me. Uh, yeah. you, you're doing uh, these missions, and just three planes. You're going to go in, and you're going to right. try to take was, out this bridge, yeah. and you've had the first three one. three planes went in out of our squadron, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, the first one couldn't get in because of the fog. The second one, they had to abort because of flak. You guys are just young guys, and they say, okay, you you're going we're in. We're pretty young. <laughs> yeah, 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 you are. You're, you guys are going in. We're sending in three planes, and you're going to go try to get that bridge. What, uh, what, what was it like <laughs> that morning when you guys were getting ready? Yeah. Yeah, what was it like that morning when you guys were getting ready to go oh, in and take no, that bridge uh, out? We had a briefing. We had a briefing and it took off. That that mission was 16 and a half hours. That was one of our long ones. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and so had you heard, Larry, that the other two ahead of you weren't able to get it? Were they radioing you and saying, all right, third time is a charm, you're up? What was that? I'm that since, since Larry, since you said in bombing the bridge over the River Kwai, it took yeah. three planes to get it. Yours was the third plane, and you actually hit it. Had you heard? No, the, the plane in front of us took out one span of it. We took out the second span. Okay, okay. But it was your group that did it. I could it. see it. I could see that we hit it because I was in the tail, and like I said, we had seven seconds delayed action, and I could see the bomb when it went off, and uh, I could see the stuff flying from whenever we we hit it. So I know we got it. We got it. Okay. Now, now. now in the mo- <laughs> in the movie, they were waiting. Of course, they didn't. Need- Interestingly enough, the movie clearly was not accurate because they don't, from no, what I can remember, there was, no <laughs> there was no aerial bombing uh, at all, so it was not accurate. Yeah. And they had this yeah. whole drama of this plane or of this train getting onto the bridge. Was there a train on the bridge when you took it out or did you just take the bridge out? So, Larry, yeah, the question was, was there a train on the bridge when you took the bridge out, when you bombed the bridge? Oh, the train was on the siding. It wasn't on the bridge. Got it. It was okay. on the siding. It was just sitting there. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so so after that, because you did 19 missions total. And real quick, Larry, remind me, what unit were you a part of? Uh, we were with the 10th Air Force. 
Seventh uh, Bomb Group, four ninety second, four ninety third Bomb Squadron. Great. And you know, before we get right to that, though, you said something about the valley. So you guys have come in at three hundred feet. You know, you're in the tail, so you've seen that. You know, you've hit it. So you need to get out of the valley. Was that tricky, or was that relatively easy for your pilot to do that? Oh yeah, we didn't go in at 100 feet. It was 300 feet. Right at 300, but that's low. Yeah. And then you need to get yeah. out of the valley. Was was that difficult, or, or were you able to get out of there pretty quickly then? Yes, we did. That's that. We got out of there as soon as we could. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Larry, since it's 16 and a half hours on on missions like that, are you taking time to eat yes, anything? We were pretty tired. We were pretty tired when we got back. Did, yeah. did you guys yeah. eat? Did you ha- you had snacks on you that you were eating on the plane on the way back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I tell you that we had corned beef for lunch, for breakfast. We had corned beef sandwiches for lunch, and we had corned beef at night when we got back. So the question was, would you like some corned beef today? (laughs) The answer is yes, I surely do. I used to like corned beef, but whenever I got home, I wasn't particularly interested in it anymore. (laughs) That's funny. Well, Larry, tell us about another one of your missions. Well, we were on, I had 19 missions, and... uh, We've had we had some time. We one time we had a bomb got hung up in the bomb bay, and uh, oh no, we had had to pry it loose, and it went off over the uh, jungles. And we used to go in and drop one bomb at a time, and run around the field, come back in, drop another bomb. Wow, wow. I thought about that because how how yeah. long did it take to get one bomb out? Well, they they pried it loose from the where it was hung up in the Bombay, and they pried it loose. We had to carry two Bombay tanks of gas to, for this mission. Sure. I mean, because you couldn't uh, go that far without them. We had two three hundred gallon tanks in the Bombay, hmm. so we could only carry f- four bombs when they had that. Wow! So sixteen and a half <laughs> hours, four yeah. bombs. We so you need to be mission. accurate. We were, and then you know you're going to be taking flak, and you know you're carrying not only your, the fuel for the mission, but also the extra fuel. I I, yeah. I scratch my head, Molly, when I think about these guys doing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, that would have made me pretty nervous with the bomb stuck in the Bombay, too. You're yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, what else were you seeing around us? Can you describe, because you're, you're the tail gunner. You've got a great view of, of the landscape and everything that's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you saw? Well, it wasn't too much. It wasn't too much of the landscape. We was watching what was going on around us because we worried about whether we didn't have the flak and machine gun fire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. On one other mission, we went in on a bridge at a low level. And there was a railroad uh, siding alongside with a bunch of rail cars in it. Well, I looked over in one of the rail cars, and there was this machine gun in there shooting at us. I said, those sons of bitches are shooting at us. I swung the guns around and opened up on them. We went on out, come back around, made another run. There was no more come out of it. So I don't know whether they just left or whether I got out of it. 
Right. But you yeah. had taken care that you'd found a solution to that particular problem. So that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go back to now you're based out of India. You did 19 missions over what time frame? How long? Uh, you know, were you deployed to do those missions? Was it? Were you there for a year, a half a year? How how long? Uh, no, we 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 got over in India on the uh, in September of forty four. We did some training and then we started flying missions in November. Okay, and we flew missions up until uh, it's, uh, I guess it was April, May, May about May, I guess. Then they transferred us to another outfit, the ninth group, and then they sent us to Calcutta, put us on a boat, sent us home. Mm. We were out in the Bay of Bengal three days when they dropped the first A-bomb. Three days later, they dropped the second one. We got into New York Harbor. The day after they signed the peace treaty, they signed the peace treaty on the 2nd of September. We got in on the 3rd. We were the first boat into New York Harbor after the war ended. Wow. What was that like? That was quite a thing. They had fire boats around us with fire streams. There was all kinds of small boats running around us. There were airplanes flying over. We had quite a reception. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember the moment that they told you that the war was over? Yeah, we knew the war was over then. Yeah, we, we had radios. We they uh, the boat captain would give us reports every so often on what was going on. What did you we think about the? the for, we sorry. were on the boat for thirty days, coming from Calcutta to New York Harbor. And did you go through the the? Was the Panama Canal? Am I dating myself now? Would you have gone through the Panama Canal, or was that built yet? I can't remember. No, we didn't go through the Panama. We could move the Suez Canal up into the Mediterranean Sea. Got it. Okay, and then through the Mediterranean and then over. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, we could move through uh, the the Atlantic Ocean, not the Pacific. Okay. Do you remember the name of the boat that brought you all home? Yes, it it was the uh, USS General Patrick, General Patrick. General Patrick. He was an Air Force general. In fact, he landed at Cumberland one time. Whenever the, the Cumberland had a little field out here that was just a Air Force uh, place for emergency landings, and he landed here one time. I, I remember re- reading about it. When the war was over, when I come home. Three week, three months after I come home, I had an airplane, and I was flying on my own. Really? <laughs> I love flying. <laughs> you know, a lot of these guys came back and did crop dusting. I mean, crop dusting was pretty, uh, uh, I mean, dangerous kind of stuff, but you were used to coming in low. So did you just fly for yeah. pleasure, or did you have a business, or what did you do, Larry? Did you? All we did was fly for for the fun of flying. What kind of planes? Yeah, I had a friend that had another airplane like mine, and we just flew together and we fly around the area and just put in time. What what kind of plane did you have, Larry? Little Taylor Craft. Taylor Craft. How much would that have costed in the forties, or did you buy it in the forties? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, well, mine was a thirty nineteen thirty seven model, <laughs> and uh, of course I bought it in there. It, uh, I flew it for several years, and then it had to be recovered, so I tore it down and completely rebuilt it. Huh. It took me a year to rebuild it. Nice. What color so was it? Back. I got it back. The guy signed for me. He got it back flying again and flew it for a couple of years. And then I got married. Well, I couldn't handle an airplane and a wife, too. So you got to mitigate your risk. You had to you make, pick a, one make a choice, or huh? the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't afford both. <laughs> well, that is true. That, yeah. that is yeah. that is. But I'll tell you this. I, I don't, as much as I love flying, I never regretted it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, that's she the right answer, good, Larry. Good for you. She was, yeah, she was a good woman. Oh. Uh, Larry, how much would a Taylor Craft have cost? in the 40s when you bought it? I, I paid $900 for it, and it was money I saved when I went while well, I was in the service. Okay. When I went in the service, I had $35. I never sat home for a nickel. We right. didn't do that kind of stuff back in those days. <laughs> I mean, people couldn't afford it. Yeah. So I I sent money home to Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. They bought a piece of ground down below us some old lots, back lots, and we had a garden down there and planted a, had a big garden, and we sold stuff for the garden and stuff like that when I come home. Wow. And then we uh, hauled coal for heating houses and stuff. At the same time, I was going to school for my drafting course. When I got out of drafting and I got out of the school, I went to work drafting and worked at that most of my life. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, Larry Groves, this is so fascinating. I, I, I mean, just amazing. This is great nuggets of information. We'd like to go to break. When we come back, why don't you think about when you were in India and, and you were in between missions, you know, what was going on in India? What did you see and what did you hear? And so this is the AmeriChick, Molly Vote and Kim Munson. You keep that thought. We will be right back. We'll have more of the World War II project in just a moment. It's time for more of the World War II project. Here are AmeriChick's Molly and Kim. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks World War II Project with Molly Vote and Kim Munson. Check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. All of our former World War II shows are on there. And if you know a World War II veteran, we would love their story. So reach out to us on the website and let us know. Follow us at Facebook and Twitter as well. And these World War II shows are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. here on EZ 1430. Um, we're on the phone with Larry Grove. He served in the 10th Air Force, 7th Bomb Group, 493rd Bomb Squadron, in uh, World War II, he was in the Pacific Theater on a B-24 as a tail gunner, which is, whew, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big one. Uh, that's a job. And it did 19 missions, and, and I cannot believe that some of these missions were up to 16 and a half hours. Wow. And he, you know, he was telling us the story, if you've seen the movie The Bridge Over the R- River Kwai, his group was bombing that bridge over the River Kwai. So, and, and the movie was rather fictional. True. Uh, yeah, because the, it didn't even show that they had bombed it, but, but they did. His group did, which is amazing to be able to talk to you, Larry. Um, Kim had asked before we went to break, what was it like when you, you were based in India, what was it like on your days off? Were you able to leave the base? Did you go out and see anything? 
I never had a leave the whole time. I was, I was over there for a year. <laughs> and we never had a leave until when we went up to Tesbor. They sent us to a rest camp. We had a 10-day rest camp just before we left to come back home. That's the only recreation we had the whole time we were there, other than playing ball and watch movies and things like that. And church services, that was it. And by that time, now now that you're in the, the Pacific Theater, then um, you didn't do any, like, training flying or anything because you're at war then, right? Or did you do any training while you were in between missions? No, I, I, well, our pilot lets us fly the plane a little, handle the plane a little bit, just in case of an emergency or something like that. You might be able to do a little something. But, uh, no, I never did any actual flying of the plane itself, really, in the service. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did that after I come home. And, Larry, did you keep up with any of your flight crew when you got home after the war? When I come home, I did keep in touch with the, our pilot for a while. In fact... We saw him when we went to Washington for our honeymoon, and he had us up for supper. But back at about 93, 94, sometime along there, I got to thinking I'd kind of like to see if I could find any of those fellas. Mm -hmm. I found all 10 of us. I had all all 10 of us connected. Wow. And I I belonged to the 7th Bomb Group Association, and sent them all kinds of information and stuff from the war and from our group and everything. And uh, so I kept in contact with them till we're all, they're all gone but me and my one buddy. Hmm. Well, do you want to share any of their names for the record for the future? Uh, well, uh, yeah, our pilot was Clem Trombley. Our bombardier was uh, Charles Curtin. Or the, he was not the bombardier. The bombardier was uh, Bob Klein. Uh, John Kirk, uh, Tom, John Curtin was the um, navigator. Okay. Uh, Donald Kitson, Kimson was uh, engineer. Uh, things are coming a little hard. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's you, all right. Do you Larry. happen to remember who the waste gunner was? What was that? Who was the waste gunner? Do you happen to remember the waste gunner? The waste gunner? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, one, the one was uh, Sharkey, Martin Sharkey, and uh, the other one was uh, Donald uh, Alsever. You know, as you as you hear these names, these are the names of heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, thank you. I guess the other ball turret. Do you happen to remember who the ball turret g- gunner was? Oh, I wouldn't say they're heroes. We were just we did what we had to do. I we know were, you were. I knew you were going to say that, Larry. But we think that you're. I mean, you you're, you're heroes hero. to us. Yeah, that's, and you're heroes to the people who were prisoners of war, and you're uh, heroes to the people in the communities that you saved mm-hmm. the lives of. We just did what we had to do. Oh, wow. Larry, did you hear when you during the war, did you know what was going on as far as, I mean, what was happening in the prisoner of war camps and things like that? Were you familiar with all that? Like, had you heard the stories no, of, like, the Bataan no. Death March or we, any of we that? Worried. No, we, uh, the boys that went down that we lost, we 
were really never heard of again. They went down those jungles that just didn't have any chance. Mm-hmm. We lost several planes, without a doubt. I mean, I don't know how many now, and I've seen quite a few airplane crashes. But uh, we were lucky we never got hit, and uh, we had a good crew. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, Larry, um, I wanted to ask you about the flak. You know, we've we've talked to veterans that talk about they either wore a flak suit or they would put uh, a a protector somewhere uh, in particular. Yeah, we had a flak uh, vest, but uh, you couldn't wear it in a turret. When you said there wasn't much room in a turret, so I just tuck it underneath it in case something went off underneath of it. That's what we've heard, yeah. If you couldn't figure out what to do with it, you sat on it. Yeah. 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 Well, you're kind of in the area that you might need it the most. Yeah. (laughs) What about... um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. uh, I was going to ask just about your drill sergeants. Do you remember the names of your drill sergeants when you went through training? I don't remember much about them, but that just the service had been. Uh, we didn't over there. We didn't have any uh, schedules or anything other than our flying. I mean, uh, we didn't have any formations or anything like that. Before we went over, all we had was our basic training and uh, a little bit of training at the gunnery school, and that's the only time we had any mm-hmm. sergeants in charge of us. Mm-hmm. What what kind of uh, climate was it where you were at? Was it cold, warm? Where? What was it like? Were you jungle? What? It was hot, hot. and wet. Hot and wet. Okay. We had the monsoons, and uh, temperature would get up to 110. Wow! 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 Man. Okay. It's got to be hard and to keep rain, that. You could set your watch by the time it was going to rain in the afternoon. <laughs> Five o'clock every evening, afternoon rain in the monsoon season. Oh, man. You're going back to camp. I'm sure you didn't really have any air conditioning back at camp. Yeah, we didn't have any air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, the core beer, we used to hang it in a wet towel and leave it cool off a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, hey, Larry, let's let's talk a little bit about um, now. What what do you think of when you see the American flag? You see well, it means a lot to me, and I, this, this is not uh, admit it or uh, deface it and stuff like that. I can't see it. That's to, to me, it's it's bad, bad, bad. And and so, it's, oh, go ahead. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Okay. Larry, (laughs) thank you. What about, what would you say to young people today? What would you say to the generations of today? What would be the advice that you would give them? All I can say is they got a lot to learn. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I don't don't think much of the way they carry on anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Larry, when yeah. you, you told us, you know, what you did when you got back from the war and you, you'd given some money to the family. You guys, they bought some land. You had gardens. You were selling the food and you went to drafting school. What about before the war? Do you remember some of the jobs you did as a teenager? <laughs> well, 
we didn't do much because we didn't have much to do with. Huh. That was back during the Depression, right after the Depression. Right. My, da- my dad was a laborer and ended up as a truck driver in a silk mill. And uh, we just had enough to get by on, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I asked Mom one time for a quarter allowance a week. She couldn't give it to me. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's how things were in those days. Sure. How about music? What kind of music did you like growing up in the 30s and 40s? Well, uh, I like the country music. Now it's nothing but hymns. I love the old hymns. Oh. I mean, they get to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, they get to me, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, so when you came back, you said it wasn't until 1993, 19, 1994, when you decided you'd see if you could look the guys up and find them. Uh, so yeah. when, when you came back, uh, you mentioned that you had a plane, but once you got married, you didn't have a plane anymore. So, so yeah. you got married. Uh, tell I, us a little bit about that, your family. Yeah. Well, I did take up flying gliders right after, after I retired. <laughs> and I flew I flew them for a couple of years, but uh, my legs went bad on me, and I had to give that up. Yeah, that's hard on the legs I, when you land. Yeah. yeah, my legs, and then I got a bad back goes with it, so I, I just couldn't do it anymore. It's kind of hard on the body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, where did you meet your wife? Uh, <laughs> well, when we come out of service, our church formed a group of kids down there our age and we started running around together and we just had a ball we would go scheme drinks we had a bowling league and we'd have hay rides and sleigh rides and go to parks picnics and stuff like that and one of the fellows this girl worked with him and he introduced me to her nice. what, what was her name <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. When I met her, and then uh, about a oh, about a month or two later, we started dating. And that from then on, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> her name was Mary Lou. Mary Lou, beautiful mm. Mary Lou. It, what did Mary Lou? I'm sure she shared with you what she yeah, and her she, parents were doing during the war. She worked. And the factory here that was building, making uh, 30 caliber shells for the war. Wow. Wow. Mm. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, Larry, is we, you know, it, it seems like many of the World War II veterans that came back didn't talk about their experiences for years. What What was well, we, you, what, well, what about you? Yeah, when we came back from the war, nobody talked about it. And why Why is that? Do you have an idea why you right. think that's the case? Why didn't mm-hmm. anybody talk about it? Yeah, well, uh, nobody, they just went back to whatever they do and went to it. My neighbor next door here, I knew he was in the service, and I knew that he uh, it got hurt. Aww. That's as much as I knew about it. Until just recently, I found out here he was in an airplane crash, and they were all killed but him. Mm. 
But uh, we didn't talk about it in those days. I mean, people didn't think anything about it. I didn't think anything about it until I first saw that story on the bridge on the River Kwai, and then I kind of got interested in it. Yeah. Were, you, were you frustrated when you looked at that, though, and, and you realized that it was very factually challenged? So, so Larry, my question was: Is when you you saw the movie Bridge Over the River Kwai? Yeah, it wasn't oh. true. Was that frustrating? Yeah, no, I, I, it was nothing compared to what we did. I mean, what happened there? I mean, that was we had a steel bridge, and that he did a wooden bridge. But uh, there was a wooden bridge above it, which was just a trussle. It was a bypass. And they used it whenever we take this one out. They would use that one until we take it out. We Finally, our group went in and took the second one out, too. That was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Larry, have you ever been back to any of the areas that you served? No. No, I haven't. I the only time I've ever been out of the country, I got a chance to go to Bermuda. My nice. Outfit I worked with sent me there for vacation. <laughs> go to the beach. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I've never been out of the country. All right. And I, don't, not, I haven't seen anything over there I want to go back and see. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. My buddy now, the buddy, he did get to go back to the where the bridge was. They had a ceremony down there, and he got to go back to that. He was over in Vietnam at the time. Okay. Yeah. Right after after the war ended, I mean, when the Korean War came along, they said they were going to draft anybody that had less than two years' service in World War II. I was four days short mm. of active service. So, so did you get? Did you re- serve in Korea? So I, I re-enlisted in the reserve, and Jim re-enlisted in the reserve, too. They called him back. I never got called. Wow. That was kind of lucky, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So while he was over there in Vietnam then, he stayed in the service and retired from the service. And while he was in Vietnam, they had this ceremony, and he went over to to it and got to see the area actually he sent me a lot of pictures of it wow well that is mm-hmm. very very cool yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh hey larry groves this has been absolutely fascinating uh this has been well, Molly, just a great honor to get to chat with larry mm-hmm. grove this afternoon world war ii veteran yep yeah. larry thank you is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners or their kids or future generations All right. Well, I just want to remind everybody, so Larry Grove, you served in the 10th Air Force, 7th Bomb Group, 493rd Bomb Squadron in a B-24. You were a tail gunner. You did 19 missions, and you were based in India. And uh, if people look at the bridge over the River Kauai, it's not correct, factually, but the movie isn't. But his crew did bomb the bridges over the River Kauai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've got pictures to prove it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we'd love to see those someday. I don't know if we can yeah. get those via email, but that would be really cool okay. to see. Yes. All right. Larry Grove, thank, thank you. you so much. God well, bless you. you. We okay. really appreciate this. Bye. Bye.
All right. Well, this is the Ameritics Molly and Kim signing off our World War II project. If you know a World War II veteran, we would love to hear their story. Or if a family member wants to share a story of theirs, then we'd love that too. So check us out at Americhicks.com. Follow us at Facebook and Twitter. And we'll talk to you here every Sunday on EZ 1430 at 1 p.m. Have a good day. God bless you. And God bless America. Join us next time for the World War II project and your hosts, the Americhicks, Molly Vote and Kim Munson. Until then, keep saluting the greatest generation.